0: Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. There's a a passage that says, The gift of God will make room for itself and bring you in the presence of great men. Do you know that you do not need to self-promote your gift? You don't need to share your gift with everybody until it's time. Your gift that God has given to you, it makes room for itself. I'm not kidding like the people who need to see it they'll see it so that's how they're standing up here today that's why they're here they have a gift of God on their life um Andrea has uh, went to Bible college really right behind you I guess right Michelle at, at um at Ecclesia is that how you say it? Emmanuel. Emmanuel, um college in Georgia and so she was a I don't know what major you were about in Bible school were you a theology major
1: um, biblical studies in youth ministry
0: Biblical Studies and Youth Ministry. And you'll see the youth ministry part in her fun personality. <laughs> and then Jessica is our boss babe because <laughs> she's the clinical director at Launchpad Wellness here in Wilmington. And so she has a lot of a hands-on experience with what she's going to be speaking about today. And all this is going to make sense to you in our story with Moses as we get going. But I want to pray for them. And then I just ask that you just open up your heart, um, take notes today, because I'm sure they'll be sharing all kinds of scripture with you and tips and all kinds of things that you'll want to write down. It will be on the podcast for later. I do believe that is being taken care of. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this day, for each of these women that are here that carved out the time, the focus, the energy, the attention, Lord, to be here today. They could be doing a million other things, but they chose to be here, to be taught of you, Lord, to open your word and to learn. And so, God, I ask that today your spirit of uh, anointing would be on Andrea, that it would be on Jess right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, that the anointing does break the yoke of the enemy, but it also opens up the supernatural realm and power to our lives. And so, God, we ask that today as they share that their words would fall on fertile ground that what is shared would be born out of the Spirit of God and that it would come forth and bear a mighty harvest. We thank you, I thank you personally for both of them, what they mean to me personally, to our lead team, and to this entire ministry in this house. So we thank you for it and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. So welcome them, welcome them here.
1: (laughs) Hey, y'all. Like Harriet said, I'm Andrea. And um, what Harriet didn't say, though, was that when we were planning for this, she also said, and I would like all of you to teach. <laughs> so it's kind of like voluntold. Um, and so, and so, so, but it's okay, that's good. Some, you know, we need a little, a little push. And so I went to here and I was like, I mean, if you still need me to do it, I mean, maybe you don't, because maybe you don't. If you don't, it's fine. And she was like, no, I do. And Jess only wants to do half, so y'all can do it together. I was like, oh, that happened quick. Okay, oh, okay, <laughs> so here we are, and we are, what? Thank you for Oh, thank you. Yes, um, glad to be here, and we talked about this, and how we don't take it lightly that you share this with us, and um, that is just a testament to what awesome leader you are, so thank you for the opportunity, even if we're, like, a little nervous. <laughs> we're very, we're actually very nervous, so that's okay. Um, we're your two-for-one special. We're not, um, you get, like, the bargain deal here we are not trained professionals but you know what neither was moses and he said yes and he said he said yes with hesitancy and self doubt and a little little nerves i'm sure so we're just, we're just going to say we're just saying yes to what's ahead um as we were last week was it last week was it just last week as we we've met a lot just trying to get our act together um and you know there's strength in numbers so we're like let's just hunker down. Um, But I was sharing, we met the next morning, we were meeting one morning, I was like, you're not going to believe what happened last night. Like, this is the craziest thing. Like, Waylon got mad, I have two boys, 11 and 7, and they were fighting, and they were rowdy, and Clay was at work, and Waylon was provoked by his brother, and got so mad, so mad, as I'm literally begging, they're begging me to come outside with the laptop. I was like, I have to do this. Y'all go play. And they're like, no, just come sit on the front porch. I was like, you're fight, and it will distract me. And they're like, we won't, we won't. So they were fighting. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I close my laptop, I go in the house. Well, they continue to fight. Not to air the dirty laundry, just to get us to the story. Sorry. So Waylon is provoked, the little one is provoked by the big brother, and gets so mad as I take the laptop in. Slam the door, lock him out. He gets so mad. He punches which, okay, we're working on our temper, punches through the glass. Like, we have window panes on both sides of our door. Punches through the glass, slices his finger open. Clay's at work. He works at the emergency department in Brunswick. Have to drive him to the hospital. He has three stitches. He's cut through to his tendon. So I'm telling Jess this the I'm like, oh, we did this last night. You're not going to believe. She goes... You're telling me this? I can't even believe this. Cash was at after school, and the kids were being rowdy in this room that's like glass mirrored, like a glass wall, you know, like mirror wall, so you could be like a dance studio, but they also use it as homework room. Kids are throwing a ball. The ball hits the mirror. Cash is sitting like this, and breaks the glass over him, over him, like this. And I just, I was like, I'm sorry. What? They're the same age. They're friends. Like what? Okay, okay. What is happening? And it was just a moment to say, "He's okay too." Oh, and he was fine. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was actually the most important part. <laughs> um, but I envisioned it like the angels, like the wings, immediately went. because <sighs> yeah. it went over him. Yes. I mean, it was on him. It went over him. It did cut. It did cut his shirt, but not. I mean, barely him. Like, and I, he was not following all these rules. And clearly, my son is. We've got some lessons to be taught. But all of that to say, I told my boys, I was like, even when you make a bad choice, God still protects you because it could have been so much worse, could have been so much worse. And so we were sharing that literally the next, I'm sure that even happened probably around the same time. I mean, that time of the day. And I just thought, okay, not that there's a devil behind every bush, but when you step into like, this that warfare does intensify and I was like okay well we're on track if if the devil wants to distract us this much we're, we're on track that can we can we can know that so um anyway I just wanted to share that just not like look at us but that God's he's been with us this whole time as we're preparing and trying to get there and protects our kids and all the things so um one more little funny thing before I get serious um we have talked about our felt board Moses for 8 weeks. Look at look at my Moses. Look, Moses as a baby. Moses with his shepherd staff. Our burning bush. And I love a good acronym. So, M O S E S. Man of such There were lots of E words. Entertaining, exciting, and en- I even I picked entrancing because I didn't have room of situations. So a man of such entrancing situations. And I wanted, I was trying to find a word to mean terrifying, but I could never find an E word that fits. So I just said airifying. Many errifying situations. Yeah. So here's our Moses. Um, also, one thing that if you don't know this about me, you will eventually learn this, maybe even today. Um, I, you know, people say like Oh, long story short, and they wrap it up. I'm a short story long, long story. Give me all ask Casey. Give me all the details. Oh, the who, what, when, where, why, how, and then what were they wearing? And what did your face look like when they said that? Like, I want all the details. Moses, Moses leaves me lacking on a lot of details, and I have a lot of questions. And so I've decided when I get to heaven. I'm going, well, I'm going to find my mima first, and then I'm going to find Moses, because I have a lot of questions for him. And he might say, it's going to take 120 years, but that's okay, i got plenty of time. Um, so, where we are starting today, Harriet has been, like, moving us along, but we're going to backtrack a smidge. Um and we're actually going to be, remember when Harriet said a few weeks ago, we have never seen Moses without his staff. Like every Bible page, every color sheet, every felt board, Moses always has his staff. But today, and look at Amazon sending me a separated staff. We are pre-staff Moses today, okay? this is Moses has not earned his staff yet. Um, so, so here we go, Exodus 2, 11. We're just going to back up a smidgey. So one day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. I like that it says grown up because that makes me think he's matured a little bit. I don't think that's a far stretch use of the word. He's grown up. It's not just a teenager. He's a man we know from the timeline. He's close to 40, so he'd grown up. And Moses is out observing, and I think it's interesting to think about that something drew him there, because he'd been doing his little palace life, his little prince situation for all these years, but he goes out, and he sees what's happening. He's like, oh, oh, I didn't know this was, like, kind of like, why were you, why did you not know this was happening? And maybe he did, I don't know. It just says, this day he went out, and I, I'll, not to twist scripture just to put myself in that situation to say maybe he was having a revelation or a realization this day that like this isn't this doesn't fit with my dna that's like i've been living this way but this isn't a this isn't an exact match here something's not right <clears throat> and you know maybe his mom maybe he's remembering what his mom had told him all those years ago. The Holy Spirit can bring that back. Maybe he remembers. Maybe she grabbed his little chubby face as he's making his last exit into the palace, you know, going in for the last time, leaving her. Remember who you are. Isn't that what your mother-in-law told you? Remember who you are. And it goes down deep in a little kid. I mean, you're like, there's no way. I mean, he hasn't been keeping this up. It's not like he's been in Torah school learning all this all along. So he's out there. He sees it. Something's happening. The Holy Spirit is, is challenging him, and he's remembering, maybe, maybe I don't know who I am. Who I'm not. I'm maybe I'm not this. I don't, maybe he doesn't know who he is yet, but maybe he's realizing who oh, I'm not. I don't fit here. Well, he also gets really mad, and he we know he murders the taskmaster, so that becomes a situation, and then he has to cover it up. I mean, Moses, come on. Um, all he knows, though, as he's working through this, is this palace life, this privileged life. I don't, I don't know that I fit here anymore, and I don't know what that's going to look like for me. He, maybe he's even having this existential crisis of faith within himself. He's come to a crossroads. That's very clear. And he decides he's going to take that, that left turn to Midian which is going back to his people of who he is. Now, he makes a decision. I feel like a lot of us sometimes get in, I know I have, um, come to a a crossroads where maybe you have to leave what's familiar for something new. Maybe it's sin. Yes, it can always be that and turning from a life of sin, addiction, habits, hangups, any of that. But sometimes it's just God saying, let's just do something new. Let's just go this way. Maybe it's different and scary. And I'm sure Moses felt all of those things. We don't know because there's no details. Okay. Um, I'm just assuming how he would feel if he had to flee the palace. (laughs) So, okay. So it says, Moses, when Pharaoh, so 2.15, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. Y'all, Moses fled. And he fled to his next step. He's on his journey. He doesn't, I don't, honestly, I don't think he even realized and knew where that was. He's just like, I think these people might take me in. (laughs) I'm a sojourn out here. Take me in. Maybe. Clay and I have had a situation like that when we were first married where it's like um, asking the Lord, what's the next step for us early in our marriage? Like, should we make this big life-altering move and go to PA school and go back to school and go to graduate school and would quite literally mean leaving everything to make these moves. You know, Moses, Moses didn't know that when he made that turn that he was truly altering his life. He just kind of was leaving it, but he didn't know what he was going into. I think we've all had times like that where we can just, if we can trust God in it, that... I'm not really sure what these next steps are going to look like, but I can trust that, that I'm being led where I need to go. And like Moses, when he goes into the desert, he gains and learns all these tools that he's going to need for the next 40 years of his life, but he didn't know that then. We don't know that in the moment. We just, we trust, we have faith, we hope that We hope that what we're doing is not just hope, like, oh, I just wish, like a magic eight ball. It's, I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting to hear your voice, to be led that way. And Moses was taking this huge leap over here. He didn't know he was entering the next phase of his destiny. So Moses flees Egypt, sharp left turn. He's in Midian at a well. Super long story short. I mean, where did he sleep and what did he eat? Why do we have no details? I have a lot of questions about this. (laughs) But I mean, you got to wrap it up, I guess. Um, (laughs) So now, we're just moving right along with this little journey of Moses. Exodus 2, 16 through 19. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and helped and came to their rescue and watered their flock. And the girls returned to Ruel, their father, and he asked, why have you come back so early? And they said, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. That's Moses. Moses is that Egyptian. He looks Egyptian still. So, so why would they say that Egyptian helped us? Probably still had his smoky eyes. Had his, like, I don't know if he was dressed down, but he sure didn't look like a shepherd. You know, I mean, he... His, not weathered skin. There was nothing to indicate that he belonged. He was definitely out of place. And so, Moses, here's what I think is so interesting about this one component. Moses had already decided in his heart that he was going. But he didn't look like he belonged there yet. And sometimes God wants the work done in us before he does the little transformation on the outside of... Of what we're turning into, Um, and the the takeaway is, I mean, no one would looked at him helping with water and said, "I think he's our next great leader. Let's let's sign him up to take all the people out." Like he's got eye makeup on. What is happening? (laughs) So you know, you never want to count somebody out because of how they look or where they came from. It's a good lesson in their in your past. Like you still. Got a little of that on you. We got some Egypt on you. We're gonna we're gonna work it off, but the work of the heart, which is the hard part, that had already been done. Moses had already decided. So here we are. Moses is well. We don't know where we are. We don't know. We're in Midian, but there's no details. But it's the little moments, the days, the weeks, the months, the years, where Moses is becoming this man. He. He and God together are cultivating, working out this Moses that's going to be the leader. And even says Hebrews eleven twenty four, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses discovered a new way of living. He disassociated with that former life because he didn't even want to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He, didn't even, he just wanted a clean slate so to speak. But this didn't happen overnight because he was some beautiful, special baby that got put in a... I mean, obviously, we see the whole picture and we know, wow, there's a baby in a basket that survives, and he gets here, and then he can do all those things. But it didn't, it didn't happen for Moses just because his mom thought he was special. Now, clearly, God had his hand on him. But Moses made these choices. He could have so easily, I'm sure, turned back at some point and been like, I'm really sorry, I killed that guy. I was in a rage, like Waylon, just acted rashly. You know, like, I'm sorry. But he didn't. He chose to stay. It kind of makes me think of, like, you know in Hallmark movies when the city person comes to the farm because they're going to, (laughs) like, buy it and change it and make it all better. And it's like he gets out, and he's got, like, dress shoes and a suit and, like, perfect hair. And he's like, oh, I don't know how to do this farm life. Like, what is hard work (laughs) and like manual labor and feeding the horses and shoveling manure. Like, you know, hey, hey, Moses came from the palace. He don't know how to do no sheep. He's got to learn how to do the sheep. So it's a process for Moses. And, you know, thank goodness for Ruel who took him in, saw past the smoky eye, and said, "I'll help you. I see something." God. God said, "Okay, let's do. Let let's help help him. Let me help you." And that's why, just to tie back, that's why our mission vision of at sisterhood of reach up, reach out, reach back is so vital because there's people all around you to reach out to and reach back to, and somebody needs what you have. But I don't know where they are. I'm sure they're here somewhere. But if you could just, like will be like, wow, your situation, we're going to have to work on this outfit. <laughs> like, <laughs> but come on, come on, let's go. I'll teach you the ways. That's what God wants us to do. I mean, that's mentoring, right? I mean, that's show, let me, let me, let me get you where you need to go. And this, and here we are, this is what the next 40 years of Moses' life is about just doing 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 his thing doing life the shepherd life and the desert life was preparing Moses to lead the people life in midian was useful for him and the lessons he learned there were so important Moses grew in hardship he grew in patience devotion contemplation the palace the palace served its purpose you know we know it taught him protocol educated him Business, language, got him him all those things. But it could never, the palace could never prepare Moses for the task ahead like the desert would. Wow, wow, thanks guys. Wow. (laughs) Moses, (laughs) great crowd, great crowd. Moses had to know what it was like to live in communion with God. Because he had to be able to, he learned that so that when the time came, he had the tool to go up to the mountain and bring the message back to the people. But he didn't know how to do that if he'd stayed in the ballast. The aloneness and solitude was where he learned how to hear God. So here's Moses for 40 years just doing his mundane tasks. Getting up, feed the sheep, water the sheep, untangle the ones that get stuck, go find the ones that wander off, leads them around the desert. He becomes a father. Well, he becomes a husband. (laughs) Then he becomes a father. I mean, he is growing and learning this new life. It's discipline. It's structure. It's skills he hadn't previously learned. Moses performs the mundane tasks. God's preparing Moses, and, Moses, and God is helping Moses find his new identity. Remember who you are. This is who you are. I'm, I'm showing you now who you are. It's the day-to-day living. Now, were there times when, even Gina kind of said this when it was her weak to speak, but, you know, Moses had these amazing, saw these incredible, like, moves of God, supernatural, mind-blowing, like, you can't, like, it was so crazy, did I actually see what I just saw? I mean, Moses has had all these experiences, but that, that was after all this boring life. I mean, boring, boring, dragging sheep around, boring. Did he ever think wow, I left the palace for this. This is it? Look, this is it. Because he had the first 40 years. I mean, that's a lot to be privileged. To have have every service at your disposal. To have beck and call of any Mm -hmm. servant. Or, I want grapes. No, not those. Bring me something different. I mean, he might not have been bratty. I don't know. I'm just saying, he could have been if he wanted because he had the opportunity. But Moses... Maybe in those mundane times when he's on the backside of the desert with the sheep again, annoyed because that one with the little horn always wanders off, went to get him again. He won't listen. Maybe those are the times that Moses remembers his mom's voice. He's recounting the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and God's faithfulness. Maybe those are the times when he said, oh, I remember my mom prayed that over me. She declared these truths over me. I I, I want that. I want my boys to remember that. That is those, when, when, when they come to a crossroads in their faith, because it will, I mean, we all have, when they come to a crossroads of like, wait, this is what the world says, but this is what I've been taught. Which way am I going to go? I want them to remember that they know how to put on the armor of God because we did it every day on the way to school. Like we got dressed, but then we got dressed you know, and that we prayed and the songs that we sang and the church attendance was a priority and that the declarations of faith spoken of them. I, want the, I do want them to hear my voice. Yes, exactly. I want the Holy Spirit to say, remember who you are. Yes. So here's where, here is where this is building in Moses because he's out in the desert, he's learning, and he's going to need to be able to recall all that when it gets real hard with the plagues. Real hard. Moses thinks, so he went from palace life to boring life. He goes to real hard life. I mean, God's with him, obviously, and we win. We know all the things. But Moses didn't know that. I mean, he didn't know that, and he chose to stay. He chose to stay with God in the desert. We have those same challenges. And are we going to choose to stay when it's boring, when it's hard, when it's unknown, when the future isn't clear, yeah. to stick with God in the same old, same old. It's easy to get consumed in the mundane. But also that's where the preparation happens. The mundane is where the preparation happens. It's the day-to-day is where our character develops. Even in the boring of like, wait, I'm a mom. So you wake up, you make breakfast, you pack lunches, you take to school, you run errands, you do, cl- you do laundry, you grocery shop, and then you... Pickup and after-school snack and homework and bath and dinner and bed. Repeat, 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 (laughs) repeat. And it feels like, is this all there is? Some days. But there, it's the preparation. How do you respond when your kids don't get a good grade? Or how do you respond when the frustrations of life in your car breaks down? I mean... No, Moses didn't have a car. But I'm just saying, like, yes. the preparation, the character development is, is developed in the mundane. And it's just like, it is just like the series that we're in with Pastor Tim. It takes the dry season, the waiting season. It takes all the seasons to get us where, we, where we need to go, down the line. We don't know what the down the line looks like. Moses didn't know what that was. But Moses was in that mundane desert shepherd life for 40 40 more years, like 40 years in the palace and then 40 years in the desert. And let me tell you, Exodus, I'm outdone. done. It's about Jess's turn. But it says Exodus 2, 23 through 25. It's 23 says during that long period. I'm sorry. That's all I'm getting. That long period wraps up 40 years. If that is not a long story short, I mean, I mean, eleven verses from where we talk, where he flees to then that long period ended. That's only that's only eleven verses, forty years. I'm sorry, I was just like, surely there's more here. Like I kept, am I missing something? But it's the long. And, you know, people say play the long game, stay the track, stay the course, S- stay with your marathon, don't give up, don't quit, don't put your baton down, stay the course. And I don't know, I just think, I just think Moses has a lot to teach us about the boring parts of our life. Um, so now it's Jess's turn. And she has a lot of exciting things to say. <laughs> Moses, and this is the part where Moses gets his staff back. So let's give Moses his staff back. Okay, After 40 years, you earned your staff. You can leave it. Are you sure? Yeah. Sorry, let me take
2: this. Yes. Okay, so... Here we are. Yep. So I'm going to just hone in a bit on what Andrea discussed regarding Moses learning how to live the mundane, right, and how to live a life of solitude with the Lord, which all along was preparing him for his true calling. So I want to hopefully relate this to what you and I experience in our everyday lives because I don't know about y'all, but when I'm sitting out there listening, receiving, that's kind of what the takeaway is for me. How can I apply this to my life? Um So I'm going to go right into scripture, and I do realize that we have visited the burning bush topic a couple times already this semester, but I'm going to revisit again, and I'm going to hopefully give you a different take if you can believe it. So Exodus 3, 2 through 4, I'm going to read that. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. So what we see here is that Moses stopped his daily agenda to go over and look, right? I mean, he had to stop doing the sheep and going after all the ones that were wandering off to say, oh, hmm, there's this bush over here, and it's burning, but it's not consumed. Maybe I should, you know, stop what I'm doing and go take a look at this because this is weird. Um, God wasn't calling out of the bush like you'd call your kids to come in for dinner or um, any other examples that you might be able to think of. The bush wasn't yelling his name, right? Um, So Moses went to look, meaning he had to put forth an action, right? So when God saw that he had gone over, he called out to him by name. So he went over, and then God called out to him by name. So Moses had to do something before God called to him. I don't know, do you guys ever feel like that? If I don't take this step, do this thing, or make this move, will I ever hear God? So as I was studying this, I kept coming back to this verse, these couple verses, over and over and over, and I just thought, wow, I mean, he had to go do something before he heard God, and that just really, really stuck with me. So I've Been on that since I started studying for this. Um, And I just thought, you know, how many times do I go about my daily life and just miss what's happening all around me? How many times am I so busy with all the things that I miss God calling me? And maybe some of you guys have felt that way too. So I'm going to share a story, a personal story about myself. And if it's okay, I'm just going to read so I can stay on track and not end up way over here. Um, So I'm going to share this story with you all just to hopefully give you more insight into what it is I'm getting at here. And I feel like this story kind of hones in on how I feel like part of my younger story, I, I kind of missed my call from God, I feel like, just because of how I grew up. Um, and I'll get to the beauty of it later. Um, so I grew up in a home with an alcoholic father and my mom who was not sick with addiction. I thank God that I had one parent that was not sick. Growing up was chaotic for me, unpredictable, and sometimes scary I remember times when my dad was drinking that I would just hide in my room or in the basement because I didn't want to upset him more. Unfortunately, these things stuck with me into my adulthood, so I dated and always ended up with men who needed to be fixed. I took the void of having an earthly father who wasn't able to meet my needs and turned that around into trying to fix others. This caused many years of heartache, codependency, lack of boundaries, mental health issues, and just chaos in general for me. It felt like the chaos was just never-ending, having experienced it from childhood up until that point in my life. Now, my last relationship before I met my husband, it was a bad one. It was physically and emotionally abusive and scary. I remember being so sick in that relationship that I even pushed a very best friend away trying to remain in the relationship, and she was super against it, obviously. It felt like a never-ending cycle for me. There were light bulb moments towards the end of that relationship, though, where God really nudged me. I was raised Christian and have always loved the Lord, but I spent my late teens and early 20s really ignoring God in my life. I'm just like, put you over here, and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. So I feel like that burning bush just kept getting brighter and brighter for me. He wanted me to get out, so that's exactly what I did. I can remember one example when I had started attending a new church with a friend and heard the lyrics to a worship song, and I cannot find that song anywhere. It's driving me bonkers. Um, But there is a lyric in it that says something along the lines of, breathe on me, like, Holy Spirit, breathe on me. And I just remember being in church that day, just overcome with emotion and just feeling the presence of God in that moment and just knowing that it's okay, like, He's breathing on me and I'm, I'm gonna be all right. And coincidentally, I usually come to the evening session of sisterhood. And last Tuesday, you were praying before the message and you said, Holy Spirit, breathe on us. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna share that. I um, <laughs> felt like I needed to put that in there. So I was single for an entire year before I met my now husband. I had entered therapy with a Christian counselor and now I'm a counselor today. Um, I got involved in young adult ministries at the church I was attending, and I spent time in God's Word daily, and I journaled a lot. It was a really hard time. At the time, I had three best friends, and they all lived here in Wilmington. Once the toxic relationship had ended, maybe a couple months later, each of my three best friends moved out of Wilmington into other cities, one month at a time. One moved in May, one moved in June, one moved in July. So here I am in Wilmington, came here for college, don't have family here. Um, so I feel like it was truly just a stripping away season where God really wanted me just to focus on him and be still. And I feel like that so much relates to what Moses experienced while he was out shepherding sheep. I mean, trying to figure out his life and preparation. He didn't know. I didn't know what the future held for me. But in that moment, that was preparation for me. And so I sometimes do wonder what could have been different in my younger years had I paid attention to God sooner. But the beauty of the story is redemption. God used all the pain for his glory. Today I'm married to Chase and I have two kids, Cash and Lucy. I have the honor, truly an honor, of holding the position of clinical director at an outpatient addiction treatment center here. And I get to use the pains that I went to, went through to serve those now struggling with addiction and codependency and trauma and just really beautiful. And my dad's sober, so that's really awesome. Yeah. So after all that pain, I was finally able to stop and listen to God's call for me so I could step into my true identity like Moses did. So with all that said, I want to ask you all, what are the little moments, the details, the things that God is waiting for you to notice? It's important to recognize that we can relate this to our everyday lives. Again, as we were studying, we realized that we see common things happening all the time, right? I mean, we see... You know, homeless people standing at the stoplight asking for money. We see our favorite sports on TV. We're doing all the mom things that Andrea talked about, doing laundry and grocery shopping and running our businesses. And there's so many things that we're doing, the mundane that's happening. But it's up to us to make a decision to stop and really pay attention to that stuff or not. So I know that I really need a burning bush every now and then, even today, because I don't always pay attention to that mundane stuff. Like Andrea was saying, I mean, it just kind of, is this, is this all there is? Um, so I think that we do often let the day-to-day stuff build up to a point that days have gone by, months have gone by, years have gone by, and we're like, what in the world am I doing? This is just, you know, this, this is it? Um, So maybe it's been, you know, four days since you opened your Bible. Or maybe it's been two weeks since you texted your friend back. Maybe it's been a month since you reached out to that family member. Uh, Maybe it's been a couple weeks since you went to church. Um, There's just so many things that I think we can let pass by if we don't pay attention to them. I know that I can relate to all these things. But I do think it's two-sided, though, right? We don't want to be so distracted that our lives are wasting away. But also there's something to be said about Moses doing his life for 40 years. The mundane prepared him, as Andrea talked about. And Michelle shared about a word, theophany, during week two. That kind of stuck out to me, too, before you even shared that. Um, This phenomenon of the burning bush was a theophany, meaning it was a visible manifestation of the invisible God. So God's sustaining control, brilliance, and independent power were on display here. Moses knew his identity deep within, kind of like Andrea touched on. So the mystery of God in that burning bush drew him in. It wasn't just a flesh desire. He didn't just be like, oh, that looks cool. I'm just going to go right over here and look at this. You know, it was because of his identity. Um, So before Moses realizes the author of his miracle, God already knew him so intimately. So again, he made a decision to stop what he was doing and recognize the voice of God when he called to him. Moses recognized his lordship. God's chosen people are his sheep. We answer and flock to him when called. But what if we aren't listening? What if we aren't still? How do we get still to listen to his voice? So this is where I'm going to introduce a skill that I feel like will all help us all to kind of get still and be able to walk in our true calling um, so I wanted to share, first of all, that I do feel like the Lord really laid this topic on my heart, but I also would like to share that I do have the education and I'm licensed by the state of North Carolina to, to do this stuff. Um, so I just wanted to kind of let you know, it's two sided. I'm not just like, you know, Google mindfulness, which is what we're going to talk about. Um, it, I actually have an education from Liberty University. So I do have a biblical worldview, which I think is important to note, um, so let's see, I, and I wanted to just kind of throw in there that I do realize that for some of you, this could sound like new agey or worldly or Ted talky, and that is not what I'm here to do. So just kind of wanted to reiterate that. So we do have a handout that we're going to give you with some of this information, because I'm going to throw a lot at you. So you might be, you can wait till the end, it's fine. Um, so don't feel like you have to just, unless you just really want to write it all down. So I'm going to give you two definitions of mindfulness. The first one is just a therapeutic definition, or what may, some may call a, a secular definition. So it's a state of non-judgmental awareness of what's happening in the present moment, and that includes your awareness of your thoughts, your feelings, and your senses. Okay. And the spiritual definition is really just mindfulness encourages us to pay attention to our experiences in the present moment. So as Christians, our awareness of the moment is enriched by knowing that God is present with us. So I'm going to share with you some benefits of mindfulness, and I'm going to tie in a scripture or two just to kind of back up what I'm teaching. So number one, the first thing that mindfulness supports is it reduces symptoms of anxiety and depression. So Philippians 4.6 says do not be anxious about anything, which is kind of what I'm feeling right now sweaty (laughs) but I need to be mindful in the moment but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God so think about the anxiety that Moses must have had I mean gosh there's so much that we've learned I'm sure he felt lots and lots of anxiety Um, number two um, the second thing that mindfulness supports is greater satisfaction with your relationships Um, Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for the companion of fools suffers harm. The third thing that mindfulness supports is that it reduces rumination. So I'm going to park on that one for just a second, um, just to explain a little bit about what rumination actually means. So um, I know it was before my time, but you guys did a series with Caroline Leaf, Dr. Caroline Leaf, um, and I really like her stuff. Um, but she, I read an article about rumination, um, and she describes it as overthinking um, over extended periods of time that essentially creates neural networks of anxiety in your brain. So it make, makes it into a bad habit, thereby subjecting the brain and body to long periods of stress. So when you ruminate, just overthink, overthink, overthink. I mean, have y'all ever done that before? That's what I was doing this morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it can be harmful, and God doesn't want us to stay in that place. He wants us to be free of that. Um, so 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So the fourth thing that mindfulness supports is improved ability to adapt to stressful situations. Again, i.e. right now. <laughs> I'm... But let's be honest, I mean, I think Moses was probably pretty stressed with, again, going back to the anxiety, a lot of different things that he had to go through. Like, just take the people through the Red Sea, no big deal, just take them on through, it's going to be fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Luke twenty-one nineteen. this is one of my favorite verses, it says, stand firm and you will win life. I just love that. Yes. Yeah. Um, The fifth thing that mindfulness supports is improved ability to regulate your emotions. It's important to be able to regulate how you're feeling. Breathe in, breathe out, just kind of regulate those feelings. Um, Romans 8, 6 says the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So mindfulness is a state of mind rather than a particular action. I mean, we can do things that will help us be mindful, but is actually just a state of mind rather than an action. And I feel like Moses had to be pretty good at being mindful. Don't y'all think? I mean, he probably had to be pretty in the moment. So if he was preoccupied, like I often am, he might have missed that calling. I mean, he might have been just walking away from the bush and, oh, it's just another bush. Because when we were studying, it was not, um, we found that it's not an uncommon thing for bushes to just spontaneously combust. So, I mean, it was just another normal thing that was happening, but he had to pay attention to that particular one. Um, so, yeah. So, now I know I've talked about the benefits of mindfulness, and I want to unpack how it's deeply rooted in scripture. Because, again, I don't want this to sound like TED talky, um, and so I just want to make sure that you guys are knowing that this is um, rooted in the word. So the first thing that demonstrates how mindfulness is rooted in the word is meditation. So again, number one, meditation. So we're guided to pay attention to our experiences in the present moment, which is what meditation is. The Bible encourages meditation on God, his word, and all things he's done for us. So I'll give you a couple scriptures. Um, Psalm 48.9 says, within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Psalm 119, 15 through 16 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And Genesis 24, 63, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. So it's all there. Meditation, it's all there. Um, The second thing that demonstrates how mindfulness is rooted in the word is stillness, silence, and solitude. So three S's. So mindfulness practice, we're to bring our attention back to the present moment by focusing on our breath, for example. Um, So our breath can act as an anchor, so to speak, just like God's presence. Um, It's amazing what you can do just when I'm working with clients and someone's anxious in my office, you know, it's just amazing even just like three to five deep breaths, how much that can just take it down a notch. Yep. And just being still in that. The third thing, number three, is attention and focus. So mindfulness simply means pay attention on purpose. I mean, that could be a good takeaway. Just pay attention on purpose in the present moment. So I'm going to share an example of this. Um, Do y'all ever go to the car wash alone? Just by yourself? I did that last week. It was nice. Just 30 (laughs) seconds of glory. don't get much alone time with a husband and two kids and a job and all the things, but I went by myself to Finn's, you know, got the AAA membership, get a discount, it's nice. So get in the car wash, and I have um, Life 90.5 on the radio, had it turned up, and it was Crowder singing. I'm not going to sing because I cannot sing, but the lyric said, all my hope is in Jesus. And I just felt in that moment, I just took a deep breath, and I was just breathing in that lyric. And I saw, you know, Fins, they're not the touchless car wash. It's got the brushes that are, you know, it's loud, and there's high, you know, pressure water shooting out everywhere. It's just a lot happening. And I thought wow, like I can be still and safe in my car listening to this lyric, all my hope is in Jesus, but outside, could you imagine if you were outside of the car? I mean, I don't even know. It would just be bad. Um, So I just feel like if we're paying attention on purpose, like I didn't have to pay attention that moment. I could have been scrolling on Instagram or, you know, talking to someone on the phone. I could have been doing anything else, but I just landed on that lyric and, 30 seconds of glory, and it was great. Um, <laughs> um, so some scriptures here, Proverbs four twenty through 22 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So number four, um, how mindfulness is rooted in the word is perception. So God invites us to perceive things as they really are. When we see things as he se- God invites us to perceive things as they truly are. And I could go down a whole nother topic on that, but I will not do that. Um, so when we see things as he sees them, we will be less automatically reactive with our cultural and individual biases, right? So when we're still and kind of have eyes, like I talked about my um, work, I have a biblical worldview. I get to see helping people through a lens they may not even know it i mean we don't advertise our launchpad wellness is not a christian organization but little did they know i get to pray for every single one of them yep so i get to have that perception which is really awesome the fifth thing is gratitude Um, and i think that just speaks for itself right i mean i'm all the time telling my clients write a gratitude list and not just the normal things when i ask people you know me something you're grateful for when I'm running groups um, it's always usually I'm thankful that I'm sober thankful for my family thankful for my friends and while that is a great thing I always encourage people to think outside the box you know I'm grateful for you know that yummy new coffee creamer I put in my coffee this morning or whatever just thankful for 30 seconds in the car wash alone um and First Chronicles 16, 34 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And the last one, demonstrating how mindfulness is rooted in the word, is curiosity and wonder. So it's a beautiful thing to have that childlike wonder for God. Um, I think it causes us to appreciate the beautiful things that he's created. And this ties directly back to Moses. He was curious when he saw that bush, right? I mean, again, he didn't have to stop and look at that. He could have just kept going. And Psalm 139.14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So I know that is a lot that I just unpacked. A lot of that will be on the handout that we'll give you. Um, And at the bottom of the handout, I didn't review it because it's just a lot to unpack. There are some suggestions um, for you all to try to implement mindfulness practice into your you know, your quiet times or just your daily routine. And I bet you that most of you are probably already doing some form of mindfulness and you don't even know it. Yep. Um, So overall, I think that the whole takeaway here is really that all the day-to-day is going to happen regardless, right? I mean, it's just going to, life happens. We've heard that phrase. But ultimately, it's all about who we are in him. And we get the opportunity to learn skills like mindfulness to help us in the abiding and even Get closer to him and his purposes for our identities. It's out. Okay, so we have a question. I don't know how we are on time, Harriet, but... We've got about 12 minutes. Okay. Okay. So here's your question. Going to get in groups. I don't know how you guys do it in the morning, same, but... Three and five people. So here's your question. So if God doesn't waste any experiences, then what have you been able to look back on and see as preparation for God's calling on your life? Good, yes. Say it again. If God doesn't waste any experiences, then what have you been able to look back on and see as preparation for God's calling on your life? Okay, so like Andrea said, two for one. Like, here's a little extra, just icing on top. Um, so I thought it would be a good idea if we had time, and I'm so glad that we did, um, for you guys to practice one of the um, skills that's on the handout called a body scan. Has anybody ever done a body scan before? Okay. Oh, okay, cool. A couple of you. So we're going to do one today. So all you have to do is just be in your chair. I would encourage you to close your eyes unless you don't feel comfortable with that. Um, you can keep them open. Um, I'm going to just read a script to you, and all I want you to do is just practice some of those mindfulness uh, topics that I talked about, just trying to be still in the moment. Um, Again, paying attention on purpose, just to what I'm saying, and just kind of follow along. So if you guys want to just begin by making yourself comfortable, sit in your chair, and allow your back to be straight but not stiff, with your feet on the ground. So if you have your legs crossed, I'd probably put your feet on the ground, um, Allow your eyes to close, or if you would like, they can remain open with a soft gaze. So I want you to take several long, slow, deep breaths, and I want you to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. So in through your nose and out through your mouth. I want you to begin to let go of noises around you. Begin to shift your attention from outside to inside your body. If you're distracted by any sounds in the room, just notice that and bring your focus back to breathing. In through your nose and out through your mouth. Now slowly bring your attention down to your feet. Begin observing sensations in your feet. You may want to wiggle your toes, feeling your toes against your socks or shoes, You might imagine sending your breath down to your feet as if the breath is traveling through the nose to the lungs and through the abdomen all the way down to your feet and then back up again out through your nose or mouth and lungs. Perhaps you don't feel anything at all. That's fine too. Just allow yourself to feel the sensation of not feeling anything. When you're ready, observe the sensations you're experiencing throughout your legs, Breathe into and breathe out of the legs if you can. If your mind begins to wonder during this exercise, gently notice this without judgment and bring your mind back to noticing the sensations in your legs. If you notice discomfort, pain, or stiffness, just notice it. Notice how no sensation is permanent. Just observe and allow the sensations to be in the moment just as they are. Continue to breathe in and out. On your next out-breath, move to the sensations in your lower back and pelvis, softening and releasing as you breathe in and out. Slowly move your attention up to your mid-back and upper back. Become curious about the sensations here. You may become aware of sensations in the muscle, temperature, or points of contact with the chair. With each out-breath, you may let go of tension you are carrying. Then very gently shift your focus to your stomach and all your organs here. Perhaps you notice the feeling of your clothing, the process of digestion, or the belly rising or falling with each breath. If you notice opinions arise about these areas, gently let these go and return to noticing sensations. As you continue to breathe, bring your awareness to the chest and heart region and just notice your heartbeat. Observe how the chest rises during the inhale and how the chest falls during the exhale. On the next out-breath, shift the focus to your hands and fingers. If your mind wanders, just bring it back to the sensations in your hands. And then on the next out-breath, shift the focus and bring your awareness up into your arms. Observe those sensations or lack of that may be occurring. You might notice some difference between the left arm and the right arm. As you exhale, you may experience the arm soften and release tensions. Continue to breathe and shift focus to your neck, shoulder, and throat. This is an area where we often have tension. Be with the sensations here. It could be tightness, rigidity, or holding. You may notice the shoulders moving along with the breath. As you breathe, you may feel the tension rolling off your shoulders. On the next out-breath, shift your focus and direct your attention to the scalp, head, and face. Observe all of the sensations occurring there. Notice the movement of the air as you breathe into or out of the nostrils or mouth. As you exhale, you might notice the softening of any tension that you may be holding. And now, let your attention expand out to include the entire body as a whole. Bring into your awareness the top of your head down to the bottom of your toes. Feel the gentle rhythm of the breath as it moves through the body. As you come to end this practice, take a full, deep breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Taking in all of the energy of this practice. Exhale fully. And when you are ready, open your eyes and return your attention to the present moment. Wow. Good.
0: Doesn't that feel awful? Don't you feel better than you did when you walked in? You know, it's interesting because we live in a world, don't we? But we're not of the world. And so God wants us, even from the very first week of this series, we talked about how Yahweh's name yep. is literally breath. yah <clears throat> ya <Ya-ya-way. sighs> That it is literally the breath. With our very first breath, a baby cries. And with the very last breath we take on earth, we're declaring the name of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? So I hope y'all feel more at peace today. Shalom over your lives. That's right. That's right. Um, I just, I loved this so much because... Um, I want to just, you know, reiterate a little bit what Andrea was saying about the everyday mundane, you know, and how important it is that we stay present, present, even though it seems like one day kind of collapses into another, into another, especially when you do the same things every day. And, you know, you kind of want to shake it up and do something different, you know. Just be present and be mindful there. And then I was thinking... There was something you said, Jess, when you were sharing that I was thinking that God knows what bush in your life to set on fire. He knows what bush because it wasn't necessarily the bush being on fire because lightning could set it on fire. They can spontaneously combust in the desert. What was shocking about that was that it was not consumed. God knows what bush to set on fire in your life. It's not going to consume us. But he wants us to take attention, pay heed and attention to it, right? Do you know that sitting, focusing, and concentrating are moral skills? They are not about your personality. They're learned moral skills that all of us can do. And just now, she took us through a silencing and a stilling of our physical bodies so that our spirit has a minute to breathe breathe in way, all the way from our head to our toes. It's awesome, isn't it? So y'all can stand up. I'm going to pray and send you on your way today. Next week, we are going to Mount Sinai and a big old shift from today, 10 commandments in Mount Sinai. I know it's going to be good. So Lord, I thank you so much for today. Thank you for Jess and Andrea pouring out of not only who they are, but God, what you have put into them and each of them bringing uniquely their gifts and uh, their voice to this gathering of women, this company of women. We thank you for it, Lord. Father, I pray that as we go, that we will be very aware of the present moment we're living in that we will be utterly aware, and that you will begin to speak to us, God, through our own burning bushes, that you will give us the courage to act and to step toward it and not to run away. Lord, help us in the moments that we feel busy and frazzled and striving and running and running and running, that we feel the call to come back to you and still ourselves again to sit in solitude with you and to hear your voice thank you lord that it it can only be us at the moment that we go through the car wash and you can you can shift an entire day in that moment so father we thank you again for what you have given to us today. We take it with us as we go. I pray blessings on every home that is represented under the sound of my voice that every one of these ladies will go from glory to glory to glory, even as they leave today and we come back next week all gathered together. I thank you so much in Jesus' name and everybody said amen, amen. amen. We love y'all. Drink coffee, love on each other.